Good afternoon on this Good Friday. We scheduled it for 12 noon. We weren't sure if two or three people would show up, uh, 10 people would show up. Uh, I do know that more people are off work than used to be, and some people work from home now. Actually, a lot of people work from home now, so you have that flexibility. So those that are watching online, a good afternoon and good Friday to you. Uh, we're glad uh, to do this service. Um, and uh, it's just a blessing to be here to remember what Jesus did for us. Amen. There's debate as to whether Jesus died on Friday. Some believe it was Thursday. Some even make the case that it was Wednesday. Um, but we don't need to debate that. Uh, there, there's definitely things you can look at that, um, that kind of the chronology and the, the harmony of the Gospels that, that piece these things together. But aside from uh, the exact details that God... When we get to heaven, he's going to make it really clear, right? If there's any debate at all, we're going to find... Ah, that's what we were missing, you know, that kind of thing. But we will know for sure. Uh, but today's service uh, is really... I'm not here to preach... Uh, or, or even, in, in a sense, not preach or teach like normal. Uh, I'll do that on Sunday. And then I was even thinking about, uh, well, Lord, Sunday, I, you know, this past Sunday, I told the story of Jesus' triumphant entrance that started that Passover week. And I was thinking earlier, Lord, if I tell the story, and, and, I, and I believe God wants me to tell it many times, Christmas as well as as this time is here. If I tell the story, Lord, is that actually preaching? And then I had this immediate reminder from the Lord, yes, and I'll tell you why. Stephen in the book of Acts gets up to preach, and what did he do? He just retold the Old Testament. And as a matter of fact, he told things that everyone in the audience already knew, but he retold it in its chronology. But he retold it filled with the Holy Spirit. And that makes all the difference. Now, on the other hand, even a donkey can speak and God can use. So this Sunday, I do encourage you to come. I'll be telling the rest of the story. But I really believe it will be preaching just as Steve. My middle name is Stephen, by the way. Uh, but it'll be the rest of the story and God wants it to be heard with ears that are fresh and that are new and that are ready to receive. But today's, today's service is more reflecting on what Jesus did. We're going to take the Lord's Supper in just a bit. We're here to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. And I thought uh, before I even open the word, I wanted to read these words. You know these words, but I was thinking about them this morning. The hymn, it goes like this. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down that ere such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose such a crown. Were the whole realm of nature mine, 
that were present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Jesus gave his all that we would give it back to him. Amen? We don't have to die on a cross here today, thankfully. We have this cross that, that still is an image that Jesus is no longer on the cross. But he did die on the cross. And it's a reminder that he gave everything and we're giving back to him. Uh, uh, by the way, one other really kind of cool thing that happened, I had a couple of cool things happened this morning. One not cool thing, my laptop crashed and in the middle of working on tons of things, everything but thankfully, I'd saved it all, and I'd only lost a few things, but these guys in the sound booth said, hey, my slides are getting up there. I'm having to go back and find every file that didn't save and everything, but that all, notwithstanding, was resolved. But a couple of years ago, I don't know how many years ago now, honey, three or four years ago, I, at the same time, I had everything on my laptop totally backed up to like a three-terabyte hard drive. And the entire hard drive, which is supposedly industrial level backup, multi-terabyte, gone. Everything on it, gone. I had like five years of messages, tons of family pictures, videos, completely fried. I said, well, the laptop, the same time the laptop died. I'm like, by the way, sometimes God allows things. You cannot explain them. Then I was reminded of a saint. I can't remember which saint it was. He used to burn all of his notes every seven years, just burn them and start from scratch. So we'd always have fresh things from the Lord. But nevertheless, I wasn't feeling that at that time. <laughs> I wasn't in harmony with that mindset. And one of the things I had, a few years ago, I had done a, a Sunday, an Easter Sunday, where I, the entire, I had composed like a 40-minute poem. You guys might remember. It was not that, but it'd be 30 minutes. But a 30-minute poem. And I lost every bit of it. Hard drive, gone. Today, my wife is like going through some paperwork in one corner of the house and, she, and it fell out in booklet form. So it's back. So after like four or five years, uh, we'll re, uh, I actually had someone recently ask me for it. And I'm like, I would love to give it to you, but I have no idea. It is out in outer space somewhere. It's gone. But uh, we're going to reprint some more. So that's probably a really cool thing. And then I was, I was driving in here... Um, you know, this is the time of year the trees are blooming. And I glance to my right on, you know, coming in, and I see this dogwood that's just bright, bright white. There's a lot of them out there right now, right? There's dogwood bright white, and then right beside is one of those trees. I don't remember what kind of tree it is. Shaped like a crepe myrtle, but it's not. Um, and it's all, the leaves, when they start, they're all crimson. And it's side by side, so you have the, the bright white dogwood, which has the kind of the cross in it. And then you have this crimson tree smack beside it. And it just was a reminder to me that forever, even in heaven, it's the crimson that made our hearts clean and bright. Amen? The crimson will never go away. The blood will always, always be remembered. Jesus' nail prints always will be there in heaven to remind us that we have been cleansed because of the blood. It's an odd thing that blood could make something white, right? You wouldn't take your clothing and all your white clothes and just pour blood in there. But Jesus' blood did that. We're going to read in just a minute. But I wanted to, before we read this passage that you know, on Sunday I'll read from a different part, portion of the same 
Harmony of the Gospel, we'll read from Luke on Sunday, but I want to remind you of all that Jesus did to get to the cross. I don't know about you, but I like air conditioning. In fact, I'm glad it just came on. I like shade. I like a refrigerator. I like carpet on the floors. I, I, I have incredible respect for those that leave everything to go and live in a third world country and live on a dirt floor and give up. But Jesus, the, what he gave up to, can you imagine leaving heaven to come to earth? to put on human flesh. I just want to remind you how he even got to the cross in the first place, that he would leave heaven to come here. That, I, I, I don't want to go back to the way I was at 16, much less descend or condescend from heaven to earth. And so he's born in a borrowed manger. Now he's been dust he lives poor. He, it's not like he descended to live like uh, Joseph did when he was in Pharaoh's household. He descended to poverty. Most of us are trying to make sure we're not in poverty. Most of us aren't trying to be wealthy anymore. We're, we've given our lives to the Lord, but we're not trying to live in poverty. Jesus condescended to live in poverty. Think about just the 40 days and 40 nights of fasting in the wilderness. How many of you have ever said, I'm not going to eat for 40 days? And feel that just in your body. And on top of all that, he was tempted by Satan, not some low-level demon, but Satan for those 40 days. And then his ministry, hard. They tried to kill him numerous times in his ministry. You saw the hatred they had for him, the arguments that he had to endure. Uh, all, he had no place to lay his head. And then he finally gets to the Garden of Gethsemane, he's sweating drops of blood, the agony. That's just to get to the cross. It's 33 years. So let's pick it up with this day. Turn with me in your Bibles. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 27. He said, uh, last week we read from... Matthew, this Sunday we'll read from the book of Luke. Matthew chapter 27. Don't have time to read it all. But we'll pick it up. We'll pick it up with uh, verse 27. Matthew chapter 27. Now, it's worth noting that just, um, just before verse 27, the crowds, the people are yelling, crucify him. We do not want Barabbas. Crucify him. Barabbas was a threat to society. Jesus healed society. Can you imagine asking for a murderer that's a threat to your neighborhood versus a man who is healed Thousands in the neighborhood. Nevertheless, let's read. Verse 27, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. They bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him. They took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him. 
They put his own clothes on him and they led him away to be crucified. As they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear the cross, bear his cross. And when he had come to a place called Golgotha, also called Calvary, that is to say place of the skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink, but when he tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there, and they put up over his head the accusation written against him, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking with the scribes and the elders, saying, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him. Now we will see if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. I'll stop there for just a second. Um, the, the hatred you have to have when someone is literally driven spikes through their hands and feet, but instead of having even an ounce of compassion, even a centimeter of compassion, all you do is mock. And the arrogance of it all as well. Say you're the Son of God. Of course, Jesus could rip himself off the cross and torture everyone there for infinity. But he doesn't. Even the robbers who were crucified with him, verse 44, even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. At least they both start out that way. Now from the sixth hour, which is about noon, the start of our service, now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, which is about three o'clock, there was darkness over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come and save him. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and he yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened. And many of the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the graves after his resurrection. Now, this text is telling us something. We know that the day that Jesus died, at the second that the temple is tearing in two from top to bottom, and this great earthquake ensues, simultaneous to that, the tombs are all loosened up. The, the stones are, but they are not raised then. It's that God goes ahead and puts a timer on them, if you will, 
at the resurrection, they also rise. But the writer is just, Matthew's just saying, it's at that moment that God initiates what will then, just like the rocks quake with the veil, they will rise with Jesus rising. But he kind of encapsulates it all here. Uh, and it says, coming out of the graves after his resurrection. So he's just pointing to the fact that uh, this initiates, they're stirring and no one else knows it. Even though the tombs were rattled, the bodies were rattled, and they are put in some state of being ready for Jesus' resurrection. Then he went into the holy city and appeared to many. That, again, that will come after the resurrection. Back to the actual eyewitness of that moment. So, verse 54, when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake, not the resurrection yet, that'll come three days later, and they saw the earthquake and the things that happened, they feared greatly, not just the centurion, but some of these other guards, perhaps some that drove the nails into Jesus, saying, this truly was the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, we can't ever say thank you enough. Lord, we're grateful. Lord, we're humbled. Lord, we are just in awe that you would descend to die in our place. And not just die in our place. It'd be one thing, Lord, if you died, but you died one of the most horrific, torturous deaths that evil man has ever devised or designed to suffer, not being able to breathe, the excruciating pain, the nerves, the loss of blood, the fatigue, all of it, Lord. But then on top of it, for your own Father to allow it to happen that we could be saved and for Satan to sneer and for people to mock and to be spat upon, to be beaten. Lord, we cannot comprehend it. We can't even come close to pondering it. And in some ways, Lord, we're glad because if we really could ponder it, we'd have a hard time getting out of bed, much less putting one foot in front of the other. But Lord, we accept by faith that you did this. And Lord, what we see in the evil of those that mock, it, Lord, that's our sin nature too. That is our sin nature. That we are not basically good. Lord, we're essentially evil that you do the work of by your blood, cleansing our darkened hearts and making them white. And so Jesus, uh, it never seems to be enough. And it's not enough. But Lord, your grace is enough that we simply say thank you. We are grateful. Forgive us of not being grateful enough. Lord, we pray that we would grow in gratitude. And Lord, we just pause on this day when there's a lot of other things that perhaps people in this room could be doing. They could be getting yard work done, spreadsheets done, uh, errands run, done. But Lord, I pray that you bless them for stopping to pause on this beautiful Friday, which was not so beautiful 2,000 years ago, to pause and to come here and to remember Lord, I pray that you would bless each person, those online, those that are here, for taking the time, not that we deserve it, Lord, but there just be an added blessing for remembering, and we'll remember the Lord's Supper. So, Lord, we pray that your anointing would be on every moment. We know it's on these words. You'd let them sink deep into our soul, and, Lord, you'd just minister to us that we would have communion with you through the remainder of 
this brief service. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We never can. You know, I, I've been saved since June of 1995. Uh, I've read the story of the crucifixion many, many times. And I can connotate myself back in time, but I can never get the gravity. Uh, I can't remember which saint said it, but he said that um, the image of the cross, it did not become a symbol of the arts until everyone who had actually seen one in person had died off. Does that make sense? That it never became a symbol. The original Christian symbol was a fish. Because Jesus said, I'll make you what? Fishers of men. That was the original symbol that Jesus would multiply, just as he said to Peter, I'll make you fishers of men. So the early church, the earliest early church, used little fish symbols, and we see them on the back of cars today, right? So that little fish symbol was that original symbol of the church to say, Jesus pulled us out, and now he sends us to pull others out, and so that fishers of men became. But then later... After everyone had ever seen a crucifixion died off, the cross became another symbol. And personally, I'm glad it did. Another saint said this, um, and I believe it's definitely true. I've seen it uh, in so many ways. He said that the reason that God chose the cross as the means, one of the, only God knows all the reasons, let's be clear. Why crucifixion? Only God knows the reason. But we know that some of these things are observable. He said the cross, unlike any other form of capital punishment, the cross is naturally visible in many things in nature. Cell structure. I just mentioned the dogwood. Uh, I, I was uh, over in Tennessee doing that wedding. I looked up and the two planes had made a perfect cross. They didn't mean to, but there it was in the sky. Even the backs of the donkey... Donkeys, I don't know if you know, have this black ridge that goes down long ways and then a short ridge across it and it makes a cross. You don't have that on a horse. You don't have that on a zebra. But the donkey he rode in has a cross on its back. And so the cross was always, God was pointing to the cross. Just as the lamb was always pointing that it had to be shed blood, had to be a blood sacrifice. And Jesus, of course, would be the lamb of God that would go to the cross devised by evil men, but allowed by the foreknowledge and even the planning and will of God. Jesus' death on the cross, though, when you think about it, everything we just read, it's, it's horrific, but it was so necessary for us to be saved. Amen? It's horrific. I'm so glad Jesus never, ever has to die again. How about you? I'm glad he only did it once. I'm glad it was done in a day as opposed to the 40 days that was in the wilderness. But that also tells you something about the perfection of Jesus that his one... Now, again, he was suffering even before he got at the cross. There was many things he died to to be willing to go to the cross. But it's one thing that Jesus was willing to go, but it tells about his, his perfection 
that his one day of suffering could atone for trillions and trillions and trillions of sins and billions and billions of people when if all of us went to hell forever, we could never atone for our sin. Can you, can you see the mathematical equation there that doesn't add up? That Jesus' death in this slice of time covers, if I had a chart, sins that go like this and all directions, but almost an infinite amount of sins and billions of people and this amount of time on a Thursday or a Friday or perhaps a Wednesday, he dies and it atones for everything at that moment. Is that hard to believe? But that tells you the magnitude. That's why I believe that God shows us the expanse of the universe. People say, well, the why is earth so tiny in the universe? To show how massive God is, but how much he loved the tininess of humanity. I wasn't even going to preach today, but anyway. <laughs> None of that's in my notes. But when you think about the cross, God ordained it. Jesus submitted to it. The people and priests, they demanded it. They wanted the cross. Pilate approved it. Tried to wash his hands, but he approved it. Satan and the demons, they reveled in it. Just like that, if you've seen... um, Chronicles of Narnia, when all when Aslan is laid there and all that horde of creatures just are dancing and celebrating, that's no doubt in my mind that's what the demonic world was like when Jesus was writhing in pain. Satan and the demons revelant. But Jesus, he conquered sin, death, and hell through it. Everything the Father ordained to the time that the Son says it is finished. Everything in between had all been closed. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon said, When Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom so that big sinners like me could fit through. That we could fit through. That we could come in and have a relationship with God because if he doesn't break down the middle wall of separation, if he doesn't tear the temple, if he had to tear the veil, and that veil had to be torn with his death, if he doesn't do that, there is no salvation. We all spend an eternity in hell. But praise God, Jesus finished the mission. Amen? And that he came and that he suffered. And he couldn't just die, he had to suffer. And so we are going to take now this time and just... Uh, we've been reflecting, we, we read, we want to reflect on the meaning of it, we want to reflect on the gravity of it, we want to reflect on the eternal nature of it, uh, but we also just want to take this time to take the elements of the Lord's Supper together and just and, and thank the Lord. And so I'm going to invite Calvin back up, who's just going to play quietly, and uh, just take a moment, he's just going to uh, play some instrumental while, uh, just take a moment to thank the Lord, just pray quietly in your seat. Do, you ha- do we have... The elements of the men are going to pass them out. Okay, so uh, while you just uh, pray quietly, just thank the Lord yourself. And if there's sin, just, just ask the Lord to cleanse and forgive. He's faithful and just to do so. We'll be passing out these elements and then we'll take these elements together. Father, we are gathered here Lord, not because of anything that we could ever do, 
but because of what you have done on our behalf. Lord, it, we didn't even invite you to come into the world. You came unannounced. Well, then announced by the angels, but no one, uh, we, we weren't asking you to come. We, didn't, we wouldn't even know to ask. Uh, Lord, m most of humanity, we're, we're completely unaware even of our condition. And so, Lord, we're so grateful that you saw the condition, but you provided the solution, the atonement for our condition of sin in the person of your own son, Jesus Christ. And so, Jesus, we are so grateful that you came. We're thankful Lord, that you submitted to the will of the Father, as you said, not your will, but his will be done. And Lord, by completing his will, dying at the hands of men that you created, dying temporarily at the hands of a being and Satan that you created, Lord, you had all the power, all the authority to destroy your enemies, Lord, but yet you yielded and gave up your rights, that we could be saved. So Jesus, it is never enough, but we're so thankful that you came. And we just say thank you. And Lord, we pray that the, the longer that you give us on this earth, that our thanksgiving will become deeper, that those roots of thankfulness will grow, that we'll have a more genuine gratitude, Lord, that it will come out in the rest of our life and that we can look on people the way you did and say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. There's a lot of people, Lord, we would want to condemn right now that you're not condemning. You're still calling to salvation. And so, Lord, forgive us if sometimes we have that same Jonah spirit that wants people that don't know you to die without you, Lord, but we know that that is not your heart. You are not willing that any should perish, but that all all should come to repentance. Even those that would shake their fist at you and wag their tongue at you and some that drove the nails on you soon after said, truly, this is the Son of God. And so, Lord, we pray that you would do that work in us, that the light of Christ would be reflected in our life. It wouldn't just be words, but, Lord, it would be lived out by the power of the Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus and through your resurrection, which we'll be celebrating in just a couple of days. And so, Jesus, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for dying. Thank you for suffering. Thank you for conquering sin, death, hell, and Satan as only you could do. While our heads are bowed, just to, I, I could assume everyone here knows Jesus as Lord and Savior. That could be a bad assumption. If there's even one person that says, hey, I got invited here. I was riding by them. You know how I got here. But my my sins have not been covered. I, I, I don't even know what it means to be saved. I don't know what that term means to be saved. I don't know what it means to be born again. But I do know I want to be forgiven. And I want to be in heaven forever with Jesus. And I don't want to go to hell. But I want to go to heaven. If that you, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. God will, right now, he will grab hold of you and pull you into the family of God instantly, anyone at all. If you're here today, you have no plans on giving your life to Jesus, but you say, I don't want to wait. Anyone at all. Anyone online, you can just pray right now. Say, Jesus, thank you for coming.
Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for calling me by name. Thank you for shedding your blood. Please forgive me of all of my sins. The greatest being resisting you and not coming to you sooner. But wash me, cleanse me, write my name in the land's book of life. For I have decided this day to obey your call and to follow you, Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me now to grow in your grace. Amen. You can even use different words, but God sees the sincerity of your heart. If you've done that, you can send us a note at questions at calvarychapelrva.com. We would love to uh, help you grow in your faith. For those of us that are here and you have these elements in your hand, it says that when the hour had come, now we know that uh, we take these elements now and we call it the Lord's Supper and we call it communion, but you should all know by now if you've attended this church, this was the Passover. This was the Passover meal and it wasn't a little, little, little uh, cup of juice and the, the whole ceremony of the Seder and we have a group of people that will be doing a Seder here tonight. Some of the families are doing a Seder. I'll be doing a Seder at my house with my own family this weekend. But, um, you know, it was, a, it was a very ornate process to go through the Passover meal. And if you've ever done a Seder, you, you've kind of seen all the elements that go into it and the different cups and, and the ritual that's part of it. But it was not just the short communion that we have and we take of the cup. and we, But Jesus then expanded the understanding of that Passover meal they didn't get it at the time. They would get it later. That The entire Passover was transitioning away from... It will always still have that original foundation of the exodus that God set the children of Israel free from Egypt. But it becomes a both and because the greater fulfillment, just like you have an Old Covenant and a New Covenant, an Old Testament and a New Testament, the, the total picture is that he was the bread and he was the cup. And his blood, which was not shed, it would be shed the following morning. They don't even know this is happening. He's in the upper room. They're like, what is he talking about? That the following morning, he would shed his blood. The following morning, his body would be broken by the nails. And so he was foretelling that this meal was, yes, it was about the Exodus, but now it was transitioning to a greater fulfillment, a final fulfillment, that Jesus himself was the one that sets people not from Egypt, such people freed out from Egypt, but from sin and death. The bonds that could never be broken unless his body was broken. Make sense? That bond, sin and death, could never be broken unless his body was broken. And so he revealed that at the Passover meal. And so when the hour had come, and he sat down with the apostles, and he said to them with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover, that would be his last Passover on earth, with you before I suffer. And again, they, they were not hearing these words. It's kind of going in one ear. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take of the bread. Jesus, thank you for your body. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Let's take of the cup. Jesus, thank you for your blood.
And thank you for this service. And thank you for the souls that you've saved that are sitting in this service. And thank you for the souls that are saved that are watching online. And thank you for the souls that are saved that will be coming on Sunday. And thank you for the souls that we're believing by faith will get saved this Sunday. Lord, we're praying that there will be a harvest. Not just here at Calvary Chapel Richmond, but everywhere the gospel is preached. In this city, in this state, in this nation, around the world. I pray that many are saved in Ukraine, many are saved in China, many are saved in Uganda, many are saved in Guatemala, many are saved in Brazil, many are saved all over the world. Lord, there'll be many that will hear this message, perhaps some that have heard it many times, and finally a prodigal comes home. Lord, we pray that many will respond to this message, the greatest message, the good news, the gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.